every day I do something a little bit further than the day before and you know some days it's easier than others but I have so many great people that have been in the community for so long and the community now in Madrid is really fueled by the members. You're listening to Create Community. I'm your host, Marsha Drucker. On this podcast, we're exploring the human side of community. I'm chatting with some amazing community builders to define what community truly means. Joining me today is Valentina Rufoni. Valentina is a community builder, consultant, and events manager from London, England, who currently lives in Madrid, Spain. Valentina founded Eat Out Madrid, which is an online community of food lovers who love eating out and sharing their favorite places to eat and drink. She also started the Madrid chapter of CMX Connect. In this episode, Valentina and I chat about scaling an online community and keeping it authentic, pivoting during COVID-19 times, and her fascinating journey of living and working all over the world. So with that, let's jump right into it. Valentina, thank you so much for joining me today on Create Community. I'm super excited to chat with you. Yes, I'm so excited to be here as well. We only just met and I feel like we've known each other for ages. It's it's very strange. I know, I totally feel the same way. I think it's kind of a common theme with community builders. We're creating community for other people and it's just like we feel so like-minded and you know, we're just on the same page. So it's it's always awesome to meet somebody like that and I'm so glad that we were able to meet through CMX. Yeah, for sure. So to jump into it, something that I'm always really curious about is how a community builder actually became a community builder in the first place. It's really fascinating to hear people's journeys and everybody comes from such different backgrounds. How do you think that you became a community builder? What did you study in school and how did you kind of start your career? Did you ever think that you were going to be a community builder? I've always been very much of a people person ever since I was a kid. I loved, you know, organizing little trips for us from like the age of six. And then as I moved through school, I actually, it's a funny story. I wanted to be a a computer scientist, which now I think to myself, how would I ever been able to do that? And it's a weird story that I got my results for my A-levels, which we do at like 16 I think 16 18 yeah and I didn't get the result I wanted and I decided within two days that I wanted to do events management and I guess the the rest is history is what happened I don't know what spurred me on to do that I guess I must have seen something on the tv or one of my friends must have been doing something like that and I just thought oh I could do that And in the space of about three days, I then was doing a degree in events management and I couldn't think of anything else that I would want to do. That's so awesome. Sometimes, you know, you see something and it just feels right and you go for it and it's it's hard to explain, but you just kind of know in your gut that it just feels right for you and you go for it. Out of that, how did you end up starting your career? What was your first role like? Actually, it's been very recent. I've been... Working here, there and everywhere, I know we're going to talk about this today, but I've, I've worked on cruise lines in entertainment. I've also worked at 40,000 feet as a flight attendant. And it was only now almost four years ago that I moved to my third capital city, which is now Madrid. And, you know, when you move to a city that you've never really visited before, the language of the country is not a language that you speak but you are interested to find out more and I got really into food 
and just eating out. And I knew that the culture here was very social and people love to go and just have a drink and a small tapas. And I was overwhelmed by the amount of places to eat and drink. And I, I thought to myself, how am I going to figure out where the best places to go are? So I decided to create a Facebook group. I'd seen that Facebook groups at the time were starting to get quite popular. And really, the way I got into community building was, I guess, being selfish and thinking of myself because I wanted help, not really thinking that almost four years later, we're now at 6,700 people all every day sharing different places that they love, that they do in the situation right now, can't wait to go and head back to. And it's just a community full of people just talking, eating and sleeping about food. I love that. And I'm so excited to kind of dive into that. But first, I'm so curious about your experience working as a flight attendant. So yeah, I was based in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates. It was another funny story. My life is full of funny stories. My husband is from Venezuela. And, you know, it's, it's difficult when you find somebody that's not the same nationality as you, because it, it does restrict you from where you can live. And we both managed somehow to get jobs in Abu Dhabi and we just decided to leave and move there. I'd always been interested in flying. I've been flying on vacations since I can remember. And in fact, it was one of my childhood dreams to become a flight attendant. Because when you're a child, you see these, these women and men walking up and down the aisle and you're like, wow, this is like a, an amazing job. And it was tough. I mean, I got to travel to some amazing places some of the highlights were actually Toronto, because I'd never been to Canada before. I've also been to Beijing, went on the Great Wall of China, been to Sydney and the Opera House. There's just so many places that a lot of people may never get to see in their life. And yeah, I had to do a 14 hour flight ride there. And you know, that's tough working 14 hours in a small airplane, but the chance to go and see these places without really paying to go. But I'm glad I did it. I feel like there's kind of seasons in, in a person's life and you know there is a time where it's kind of appropriate to do that and you're really free in your lifestyle but other times where it's just not realistic so it's super cool that you were able to have that experience and you know do it in a point in your life where you had that freedom and that flexibility what did that sort of look like for your community you know being a flight attendant traveling around was it difficult to maintain your close community back at home or did you feel like you even had a community or was it sort of always changing because you were always on the go? Yeah, I mean, I've been away from my home, which is the UK since 2010. And we'll talk a bit about the cruise ship experience and this, the flight attending was after that. And once you do leave your home country for more than like six months, it is difficult to keep up those relationships with your school friends or, you know, different places where you have your groups of friends. And a lot of the time, they don't necessarily understand what you're going through and the experiences, especially flying to different countries every day. People don't understand it. Some people don't have the opportunity to do it. And it's hard for people to understand. The same as it's hard for me when I've been away for so long and then you come back after meeting all these new people. And a lot of the time, your friends are still doing the job they were doing before and life hasn't changed. So that was a lot really difficult was, you know, keeping, I guess, on the same level. Sometimes you felt like your interests had changed, but really it's just like a little bubble being up in the sky or on the sea. Or, uh, so yeah, it was really difficult. But I can now say, based on all my traveling, that I've got friends in more or less every single country. So if I was ever to do a world tour, 
I feel like I could probably stay for free in most places. So that's one of the positive aspects, I guess. I think that's so cool. And I can relate to that. I mean, in, in some very small way, I did have an opportunity to live abroad for about a year in Tel Aviv. And I know that feeling, you know, while I was there, it was it was definitely difficult to kind of maintain close contact with my friends that were back home in Toronto. And then coming back, it, it did feel really weird. I felt like I almost lived another lifetime while I was away just for a year because you change so much as a person and you grow so much when you're kind of out of your comfort zone and you're in a different place. And you come back and and it was the same thing. A lot of my friends were sort of in the exact same place. And, you know, I had come back to the same house that I was in. And it was just this really weird, bizarre feeling that's kind of hard to explain to anybody who hasn't experienced something like it. And I can't even imagine you were away for so much longer. So tell me about the cruise line. What was that experience like? I'd been on cruises as a child when we went on vacation. And in fact, I was still at university at the time and Disney Cruise Lines came in to hire people for their new ships. But because I'm one of these people that's born in August, I turn 21 much later than everybody else. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to be picked because you had to be over a certain age. So I had to wait. And these were the days in 2010 where you could still find jobs in newspapers. Uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. And I found the job for the cruise line opportunity that I did in a newspaper and before I knew it I was on a plane by myself flying to Amsterdam to get on a ship to go and work and you know when you've been on vacations you think of all this like glamorous parts of it you never get to see what the crew live like what they do and yeah it, it was hard to begin with but I did it on and off for about 10 years and normally you do six months at a time on a cruise ship so six months straight, no day off, up to 12 hours, sometimes more, depending on the role that you have. But it was a surreal experience, again, a, a bubble because you are working so much more and you're with the same people every single day that you create an, like another family and you get to know people so much quicker because you're with them every single day, sometimes every hour. And the great thing about cruise lines in particular is when you go home for your vacation, which was normally about two months, and then you go back either to the same ship or a new ship, you'll see someone you know, and it's like you just saw them yesterday. That's such a cool experience, and you're totally right. Like It, it almost creates this community in and of itself, because you kind of have to be a community for you to really like function in that type of environment and to really perform in your job and to really enjoy it. How did you guys decide to make Madrid your home? You know, you've traveled so much. You've seen so many beautiful places around the world. What was it about Madrid that, you know, just made it special to you and made you decide to settle down there? I know it was a couple of things, really. Being in Abu Dhabi, it's, it's quite far from our families and he has family kind of all over, but it's still a good eight hour flight to the UK. And it was tough to, you know, see people because you don't really want to spend eight hours flying all the time. So we wanted something that was a little bit closer to everyone. And we just figured that the work opportunities would be better here. And we just wanted to be part of a, a more casual social life. And that's why we decided to come here. I'd never actually been to Madrid before. I just kind of left it completely down to him. I'd always wanted to speak Spanish. And I actually started like intensive lessons when I arrived. 
Four years later, I still can't really speak Spanish. I had the chance to visit Madrid a while back and I absolutely fell in love with the city. It's such a beautiful place. Yeah, the weather is amazing, the culture and the food was probably, I would say, one of my favorite parts of my experience there. So that kind of brings us into the community that you started. You're definitely a foodie yourself. Tell me a little bit more about how you decided to start Eat Out Madrid and what the community is all about. So when I was in Abu Dhabi, I got introduced to a community there that was loosely based on what Eat Out Madrid is on now. It's going and recognizing different restaurants within the city and, you know, where can you go and get this? Where's the best to eat this? and et cetera, et cetera. And I knew that I was moving and I'd heard about Madrid and its food scene. And I was completely overwhelmed when I arrived and just thought to myself, where am I gonna eat? Like, I, I wanna eat the good food. Like, this is the place to be, the capital of Spain and eating tapas and people talk about paella and, and sangria and all this kind of thing, which are very actually touristy things to eat and drink. We don't actually eat that very often, not in Madrid anyway. And I was very interested in Facebook groups at the time and just thought, you know what, I'm going to create a Facebook group and see what other people say about it because I've never really been into things like TripAdvisor. I just have found them not reliable because you just don't know who's posting and how old the posts are. Whereas I wanted something with people that were active on a daily basis and, you know, I could then build relationships with people and I knew who was in the community and it wasn't just people that had created fake accounts, which you can do in lots of other places on, on the internet. But Facebook, you know, most of the time people are genuine. And that's why I wanted to make a genuine community of people that really liked food. And we weren't just saying places were good because we were paid to say it or we weren't there. I just really wanted to know genuinely where should I go and eat great food? And I remember in the beginning, it was lots and lots of work. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize when building a community is how much work you need to put into it in the beginning to start it from scratch, to set it up. And I'm so happy now that all that work in the beginning has brought it to where it is now because it really is a great, great community and people love it. Or at least they tell me they love it. I'm sure they do. I mean, it looks like such a vibrant and amazing community. And yeah, I couldn't relate more like those initial months of getting a community off the ground. Just you really have to hustle. And there's so much stuff that happens behind the scenes that people that are part of the community often totally overlook or just don't even realize because as somebody who's in the community or as an attendee to an event or something like that, you see it come to life, but you don't always realize everything that kind of went into it. So kudos to you for getting through those initial months and getting through all that setup and really like congratulations on what you've built. Take me back to those initial few months. What did that sort of look like? What were the initial sort of first steps that you had to take to get this community off the ground? I mean, at that time, like for me, there was, I didn't really have a community strategy. Which I just didn't really know anything. So for me, the first thing was, okay, I need a name. I need to decide, you know, some rules and, you know, just start posting and asking questions, even if they were questions that I didn't necessarily want to find out places to go tomorrow, just like what's in my mind. And it just really was very organic and it wasn't really structured in the beginning. I was just kind of posting here, there and everywhere. In the meantime, going into other groups and being like, hey, 
I've started this group. Does anyone want to join? And just kind of rallying people that way. And I guess that's what took the most time was the rallying and the promoting to get people to move across because when your community starts out, especially on Facebook, people can see how many members are there. And a lot of the time, people don't necessarily want to join a group that's only got a few people in because they think, well, what is the value in this? So I really had to work hard in thinking how I wanted the community to shape and welcome posts and polls. And at one point I was posting something every day just to get people talking with each other and engaging and liking. And it took a while for people to actually jump on the bandwagon and start to share their favorite places because Obviously, a lot of people relate to food pictures with the description. So it's getting people to take food pictures, which I found actually people don't take pictures a lot. They just go out and eat and that's it. Whereas I'm taking like 10 different pictures at different angles of food pictures just to try and get the right one. So, yeah, it's been a a lot of kind of trial and error. Even now, four years later, I'm constantly changing the way I do things depending on the active people because it seems like during different times of the year, the groups of active people change. I feel like I'm still building it from the beginning, even though it's four years later. I think that's something when you're building a community, you're just constantly trying to think, how can I bring more value? And, you know, what do people want? And just keep moving with it. For sure. I mean, your community definitely changes and it evolves over time. And I think, you know, that that's what a successful community is. I think if you just kept it exactly the same way as when you started out, it would have gone stale by now. So it's really awesome that you're kind of growing and evolving with that community. What have been some of those noticeable changes? Well, at the beginning, I was really trying to encourage people to go out and review places. And I, I was trying my hardest to do like a five star rating. So you would then rate like the atmosphere, the presentation, the price, the service, the food. And, you know, you give them up to five stars to try and keep everything consistent. So when everyone posted a review, people knew what the review would include. And that didn't really take on. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. But I saw that people were keen to just share pictures and say, hey, went here last night. We ordered this, this and this. It was really good. And then let the pictures speak for themselves. So I was like, okay, let's let's just move with that. And it seemed to kind of catch on. Even with my content that I was posting and the questions that I was asking, where people didn't really have to think too much, because I think that's where sometimes community members get put off is where they have to really put in a lot of effort now obviously this can change depending on your community but with food people just want to know where is it good to eat can I go now and then saying it was great you should go here very simple but other than that the way that I intended it to be at the beginning in terms of you know what I wanted people to share in general that's not not changed at all and hopefully it won't change because we are one of the only Um, online community right now that where members are actively sharing places here in Madrid and actually since then I've started to branch out to the rest of Spain so we actually have six communities across Spain in Barcelona, Valencia, the Basque Country, Seville, Malaga and yeah I'm hoping that as the years go on they can become as popular as our Madrid hub because the whole of Spain has great food so why not have little mini chapters everywhere. 
I absolutely love my trip through Spain. I really want to go back. I had a chance to see Madrid, Barcelona, and then a, a small city called Gijón. That was interesting as well. But yeah, the food scene is absolutely unbelievable. So it's, you're like in the perfect place to be growing this community. What's your vision for the future of Eat Out Madrid and what does it kind of look like now during COVID times? Is it because I kind of shifted to more about takeout or what's it sort of looking like? Right now, we are almost on the verge of moving to a point where restaurants can start to open. But in the last, I guess, nine weeks, there has been a huge focus on takeaway and delivery and where to buy anything, really, because... A lot of places have been closed and only just recently have we been allowed out to go walk, which I know for a lot of people that might be listening, you may not have had that restriction, but we've we've only been allowed to go to the supermarket that's closest to you. So yeah, it's been a huge focus on where can I get this? People are cooking at home way more than they've ever done before. Some people have never cooked in their life and Spain in general, and Madrid, it wasn't really on the same level as maybe other countries in terms of delivery. There was a lot of kind of fast food places delivering, but that was about it. So now, since the weeks have gone on, a lot of restaurants have now adapted and now that they are now offering delivery, which is a great move, I think. So people are getting to the point now after nine weeks or whatever week we're on where they don't want to cook anymore because the cooking in the kitchen can take a long time. And then once you've cooked, you've got to wash up. And I don't like the washing up. In fact, I'm not even sure I really like cooking, but you know, I do it because I feel like I have to. But sometimes you do want to just not have that stress and hassle of cooking. You want someone else to do it. And that's the reason why we go out to restaurants. In the future of Real Madrid, I just hope that it continues to grow because I just know there are so many people. I'm constantly trying to create more content. I've just started a podcast. So uh, that's pretty exciting to actually have my own. And the first season right now is looking at the community members who are also business owners in the community and highlighting them and how they're dealing with this situation and how people can support them now and going forward. Because there's going to be a time where everything's going to open again and there's just going to be so much choice. I'm not even sure where I want to go to first. I was going to ask you that. So when things do open back up, where do you think you'll kind of gravitate to on your first day? What's your favorite place to eat in Madrid? The first one that comes to mind is um, a place that now has three locations in Madrid and also in Barcelona. They're called Honest Greens. And it's not any typical Spanish food or anything like that. It's They do market bowls and plates where you can choose the protein, you choose different sides. So you basically choose anything you want on your plate. I like it because you can see the kitchen, you can see them preparing it and come out of there feeling just really healthy. And I love the interior of the place as well. It's just really, really nice. I do love Italian food. I do have Italian roots. So there's a place called Nap, uh, which I think is short for Naples, where the best pizza is in the world. They do really good pizza and it's really reasonable. And then I think once I've eaten all of that, I'll probably end up in one of our favorite Indian restaurants. For British people, Indian curry is really something that we've grown up with. And it can be sometimes hard to find one of the places we go to 
we don't know their names, they don't know ours, but every time they see us, they smile, they're, how are you, how's the family? And it's just really nice to go back to places when people remember you. I love that. Oh my God, I'm like salivating now. All of that sounds so good. I really do hope that you get to experience all of that very soon. So I wanted to get some of your advice for community builders. If somebody wants to get started in building an online community, you know, just like you, they kind of have an itch that they want to scratch. How can they go about it? What would you suggest to somebody who's totally new to it? How can somebody get started? Well, some of the things that I actually tell a lot of people when they come to me and actually ask this question, I say to them, why do you want to have a community? I think that's really important. Like, what is the purpose of this community? Why does it need to exist? Because if you have that road kind of paved out for you in the beginning, you'll be able to explain to people why they should be in the community. So for Eat Out Madrid, the reason why it exists is because there isn't a community out there for English-speaking people, and we need to know where the best places are to eat and drink in the city. And once you have that, you kind of choose all the other things that you want to do within your community, like what platform do you want to have it on? And who are your people? That's something else that's really important, is who are your target audience? What kind of people do you want in your community? The same as who do you not want in your community as well, because there's no sense in having hundreds of people in there and half of them are not anybody that's engaging, they're not interested in the topic and they're just there for numbers. So yeah, figuring out why you want to do this and why should it exist and who is this for is the two things I would start out with. And then once you've got those two, you can start kind of adding on all the other bits and building a community strategy. That's something I didn't have at the beginning. And now that I have one, it would have helped me so much and maybe even cut down a lot of the time that I put in just figuring things out. If I had a document or something that I could refer to, update and be like, ah, yes, this is what I said I was interested in doing or this is how I wanted people to engage. Yeah, like looking back on it, I can't imagine doing that from day one when you're just trying to figure out what the community even is. But I think something that's so important is to kind of define what are the values for this community and what are sort of the ground rules for for people who want to join and participate in it and really making um, something like that clear so that everybody is on the same page and, you know, they really feel like they're part of it and they're contributing. Another question that I wanted to get your advice on is how can you keep an online community feeling authentic? I'm sure, you know, with something like what you're doing, there must be a lot of opportunities for, you know, getting brands involved or doing sponsored posts for restaurants and for different businesses. How do you kind of evaluate some of those types of opportunities and how do you keep it feeling authentic if you ever do kind of decide to move into that direction? Yeah, that's something that has been on my mind since the very beginning. And I actually very recently in our Facebook community, we did not allow anybody to post any links to anything outside of the community. Because, of course, there are a lot of people out there that work for companies, who write blog posts, who do lots of different things within the food and drink industry. And I really wanted the, the community discussion in particular to focus on people asking for recommendations and people sharing their favorites. And actually, I've been doing that for around three and a half years. And it's just been a lot of people have been saying, you know, I love the way this is laid out because a lot of other communities, they just allow people to promote and it just becomes a huge kind of feed of just links and meaningless posts. So that's something I've really worked hard to kind of be, I guess, strict on. 
And actually only recently I, I've been really getting into, you know, building the community with the community, which I'll, I'll admit I didn't do that at the beginning. I was building it for me and I'm really into the, the book Get Together by People and Company. And they say, you know, you really, you really need to work with your community on how this community should function. So I've been doing polls, I've been asking people, like, do you want people to promote in this community? Or do you want us to have a dedicated post for this? And it, it's got to the point now where the community members have said, we don't mind links as long as they're Madrid food and drink related, as long as you are not promoting yourself or you are associated with that page. So I've started to allow that and I've just created a promote yourself post, which will be every month. And people have been going crazy on it. So it's it, it's working out. And if there's any advice for people listening, it's really getting your community involved because I, I just didn't, I didn't do that at the beginning. It was me telling and them basically just engaging rather than asking, do you want this or do you want this? And that can really take the pressure off you as a community builder from making all the decisions because you can give them the power. I was going to say that's such a key realization that I've had as well. And I think, you know, it's really only a community truly is when it's a two-way conversation. Otherwise, you know, it's a group and it's just, it's a content platform and it's a place for you to sort of speak to an audience, which is totally fine as well. And there's a place for that in the world too. But if you're trying to build a true authentic community, there has to be that two-way dialogue. And it helps so much with decision fatigue because yeah, like sometimes I'm sitting there really like trying to decide something as well for fuck up nights, even like during this time during COVID, I wasn't really sure how to move forward with virtual events, what people would want to hear, like as are still even relevant and then I just kind of had this like aha moment that I don't have to decide this myself this is why I have a community and why don't I just ask them and I did the same thing I did polls across our social channels I spoke to um, a lot of people one-on-one like people that are really loyal to our community and that have been to multiple events and that just made my decision so crystal clear because I, I heard the feedback from the community and I think a lot of people kind of overthink it or just don't think to kind of take that step and it's going to make your life so much easier yeah, no, for sure. It took me way longer to kind of let go, I think, because I'm very much of a person that likes to do everything. I don't know whether it's the event manager in me, you know, I like to ha- take ownership. And sometimes you feel like if you are allowing other people in, that you're no longer owning it anymore. And I guess that's why I'm the, in the community right now. I don't have any moderators. And I've, I've thought about this and, you know, it would definitely take a lot of time away from me but I'm so invested in this community now it's it's like a like a baby it's difficult to like step back yeah I can totally relate on so many different levels but if you want something to grow especially if you have those plans to kind of expand it to different cities like for it to grow and to really flourish you do have to give up some of that control especially I think in the cities where it's not your home base and you know somebody else who lives and breathes it they're probably going to do a better job moderating it just because they know it and that's their day to day. But it's so hard to give it up. It's, you know, it's, I don't have the answer for how to actually do it. Every day I do something a little bit further than the day before. And, you know, some days it, it, it's easier than others. But I have so many great people that have been in the community for so long. And the community now in Madrid is really fueled by the members where people are helping each other out. I don't even need to step in anymore. People are sharing it in other communities. It's like, oh my God, like I don't have to do that work anymore. And it's really nice to see that people value and are promoting it to others to bring people in. 
that was such a game changer as well when you know fuck up night started becoming this thing that other people were promoting and telling their friends about it's really so rewarding to see as as a person who built the community to see it kind of take on that life itself So let's chat a little bit about your personal community outside of Eat Out Madrid. What other communities are you involved in in your day-to-day life? I know CMX is a big part of what you do. Do you want to chat a little bit about that and any other communities that are important to you? Yeah, I mean, CMX has literally taken over my life for the last year. I didn't know anything about it in the beginning part of last year until my good friend Seppi said, oh, there's this this free Facebook group where, you know, you can connect with community professionals all around the world. You know, you may be able to get some help. And I saw they were looking for people to host chapters in their cities. And I thought, great, I can meet other community professionals and I can organize events. That just fits together so great. And, yeah, we've been building that community for a year now. In fact, last week we just celebrated one year. We did a Zoom party. It's been great for me personally because I've been able to to grow my network of community professionals and I've recently kind of stepped into the community consultant role because people started approaching me, asking me for help. And I thought, why not, you know, make this kind of a job? So I've started doing that for people and that's been really great. And that's actually where I've met a lot of my now tribe of women here in Madrid. Uh, There's four of us that are all community professionals. That's been really great, especially during this time. We have these like weekly Friday calls on WhatsApp and we just kind of dump everything about our week. And yeah, it's just really nice to be around people that are doing the same thing. So when you talk about your challenges or your wins, they get it. I totally agree with you. I mean, it it helps so much having a circle of, you know, other community builders, especially, you know, because it's not competing and anyway if you're in totally different industries or you're building different types of communities it's it's so helpful to chat about your experiences and to really help each other and go out of your way to help each other it's a really amazing thing and i'm so glad that you were able to find that in your city and you know to continue that conversation virtually during these crazy times yeah and i mean it hasn't been exactly the same all four of us are very much like extroverted people we need to be around people so we're all kind of like struggling like with all the screen time that we're having to do with Zoom calls and, you know, virtual events just to keep our communities going. You know, sometimes you can lose momentum. So we've thought to ourselves, OK, we need to figure out how to make this work online. And it's been great. But you do get what they call like Zoom fatigue, even though we're not just using Zoom just because you're in front of the computer way more than you were before. Yeah, I found those articles so interesting because you feel it and I wasn't sure what that feeling was because, yeah, the first few weeks of this, I felt like I was on a lot of Zoom calls or, or Google Meet or, or, you know, whatever platform you're using and it, you just feel burnt out at the end of the day and it's like, why? Like, I'm, I'm not sure what it is exactly. I would have like the same number of interactions in person, maybe even more, but it's very different when you're kind of staring at a screen. Your brain is kind of trying to pick up on these like human signals, I guess. And it's like something's a little bit off when you're looking at it on a screen. It's a really weird feeling. Yeah, for sure. I think for me in particular, it's the change of scenery. I'm usually doing the Zoom calls in the same place. I'm looking out my window, the the buildings don't move. Whereas when you're in person, you're not always meeting people in the same place. So things are changing 
in the space of a day, you, you're going to different places. And that's what's been the most difficult out of everything with this situation is just well, not seeing people, first of all, and being physically next to them, but just not seeing anything different. Valentina, my last question for you is, and I ask this of everybody on the podcast, what does community mean to you? How would you define it? So community to me is a group of people that come together, whether it be online or in person, doesn't matter, and they have a like-minded interest and they want to explore that interest and learn and grow together and support each other. Really, it's that simple. That's what a community is. And that could be me and my four friends. Even though we're friends, we're still a little community because we come together, we have the same interests and we support one another. Whether that be my 6,700 people on, on Eat Out Madrid, they all want to learn about the best places to eat and drink. And a lot of the time people get confused between a community and an audience. And I think the difference between that is really the support and creating meaningful connections with other people, which can be quite difficult to create. But I think that's the role of the community manager or the community builder to get people together and get people talking and engaging. And you can do that through great content. That's so awesome. I think you said it perfectly. And that's honestly the reason why I started this podcast, because I really want us to look at that human connection side of community. And I think it's really becoming this buzzword where people are defining anything as a community. You know, I've heard people define their email list as a community or the number of followers on Instagram as a community. And those are such awesome things as well. And, you know, you're you're sharing great content with them. You're engaging with them on that level. But it's I wouldn't define that as a community. And I think what you said is so bang on. Awesome, Valentina. It was so great chatting with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. No, you're welcome. It's been a great experience and so looking forward to being on this podcast. I had such a great time chatting with Valentina and I hope that you learned as much as I did from this episode. Connecting with Valentina is very easy as she's all over social media. Just search Valentina Ruffoni on your favorite platform. You can also learn more about her community on Facebook by searching Eat Out Madrid. Thanks for tuning in to Create Community, a podcast where I chat with incredible community builders to define what community truly means. You can check out the series on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you normally listen. Please remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. I'd really love to hear your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at createcommunitypod or check out our website at createcommunitypod.com for updates. Once again, I'm Marsha Drucker, your host, signing off. A huge thank you to Origins Media House for producing this series. You can find them at originsmediahouse.com where house is spelled H-A-U-S or on LinkedIn and Instagram at Origins Media House and Twitter at Origins Media. 